0: Could you pass me the instructions? Oh, thanks. I'm glad you're helping.
1: Alrighty. <laughs> Let's get
2: stuck into the next one. Hand me that flat pack. Wow,
0: well, look at you go. Where'd you learn all this? That obviously goes in there.
2: Running had a schedule. Nice. Mm-hmm. Looks just like it does in the picture. Oh, This is fun. That guy in the store is
0: spot on. Yeah. Only oh, took five minutes. You know, I think the Allen key may be my favourite
1: tool. Why'd we only buy one of these? Well, that must be it. Nothing left in the bag. Done. Well, welcome to part three of our series, When You're Lost. It is frustrating to get lost assembling furniture, isn't it? Like, I like Ikea furniture, but I don't like assembling Ikea furniture. In fact, it kind of boggles my mind because as a kid, I would put together, you know, large Lego sets, you know, like a thousand piece Lego sets, no problem. But a 20 piece Ikea set plus Allen wrench is just simply too much. But I like to talk about this IKEA thing because I think it points at a human principle that we're going to spend a lot of time talking about today. And and it's this right here, that we like the promise of something. We like the idea, the vision of something, but we tend to resist the process, the process of getting ourselves there. We like the promise of the IKEA furniture, great price, pretty good appearance, but the process of putting it together is intimidating and frustrating and really one of the biggest reasons that most of us don't purchase Ikea furniture. Because we just want it to be done. We don't want assembly required. We don't want a process required. We just want the promise of it. Like I think about our three-year-old's um, bed in her room and it's from Ikea and I think it's super sweet. Here's a picture of, of what it looks like um, and maybe we'll blow it up big so you can see it on the screen. Uh, there's it, it can flip and we loved the promise of this flip, of flipping it from, you know, laying flat kind of on the ground like a normal bed. And then you can flip it upside down and then put the mattress on top and it becomes kind of a pseudo bunk bed bed slash play area below. And we love the promise of this. In fact, she'll wake up and she'll look out the window because she can see out the window from the bed's uh, height because it's right against the window. She'll look outside and watch the birds and animals for like 15 minutes in the morning sometimes before letting us know she's even awake. And I just think that's absolutely adorable. But my friends the process of moving this built-in ladder from one side to the other because we flipped it. It wasn't on the right side. I'm just telling you, 80% of that bed had to come apart just to move the ladder from one side to the other. And there were no instructions either, 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 which honestly might have made it somewhat easier. Than trying to follow the IKEA instructions. I I don't know, um, but but I think you're kind of getting at what I'm saying, right? I mean, uh, another illustration that is uh, I think even almost better. In fact, it's maybe one of the more stereotypical examples of this, uh, you know, desire for the promise but not the the process is is puppies, okay? Because we like the promise of cute puppies, right? We love going to the the concept of going to the pet store and playing with puppies. These are our two. Um, uh, dogs when they were puppies, and and it's just cute. I mean, they're just adorable little balls of fluff, and and you want one. You know, like you, it's not even a want to an extent. It's almost like you need one. Okay, but then you get them home, and then there's a process. There's a process of them growing up and staying ahead. Uh, of you trying to stay ahead of their intellect and energy and food needs and vet trips and grooming. The process is hard. And a lot of people, unfortunately, walk away from the process. And maybe that's been your experience with, with dogs too. Or or maybe it was your experience with your career path. Like you loved the promise and the possibilities of, of a particular career path, but then you got into it and you realized that the process of getting to that ideal place was not fun and you didn't like it. Or maybe there was a relationship that you were in, and you envisioned a beautiful future for yourselves, but then you realized that you would have to maybe do some growing to get there, that, that the relationship, the, 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 the engagement, or the marriage wasn't going to be just easy. It, it was going to require some work that you were going to have to grow and change, and that was difficult. And you didn't really like that idea so much as you liked the promise of, of what you could be in your happy ever after vision in your mind. What are the what are some of the pro, uh, promises that you've pursued or maybe you are pursuing right now? Where you look at the promise and you're like that's great but the process ah. When we say we like the process but we re, or we like the promise but we resist the process. Or or another example of this I think is faith. The promise that faith gives us the promise of life after death, the promise of a God who loves us. And so we say, okay, well, I'm going to check that out. And, and, and so we, you know, we start to pursue the promise of that, but then we realize that there's a bit of a process involved, a process that includes us actually having to change, maybe confessing some of the things we did wrong, forgiving others for the wrongs that they did, having to be generous and giving when we rather just possess we have to grow in the process of faith, and it's really tempting to resist that process. For a lot of us as soon as things get tough in the process, as soon as things aren't on our timeline or they don't show up as they're supposed to or or our dreams aren't being met maybe as quickly as we want them to be, we tend to walk, we tend to avoid, we tend to ignore the process. We tend to sometimes even switch promises altogether. We just try to go out and find another pro- promise especially in the deserts or the wildernesses of life, which is what we've been talking about for the past few weeks in this series, the seasons of life that are uncomfortable, that are a bit unknown. We try to find a shortcut out. We try to get that new promise or we try to compromise the promise or you know, switch things around to make it, the process easier on ourselves. For example, we break up with someone and then we go, right into another relationship because that way we can avoid the hurt and the loss from that previous relationship. That way we can avoid the process of going through grief and having to grow from that or reflecting on our own reasons or our own actions that may have led to the relationship falling apart. We'd rather avoid that. So we just go into a re- another relationship to tell ourselves that, you know, we're, we're l- worthy of love. There's nothing that we did wrong. We avoid the hard process. Instead of going through the desert, the wildernesses of life, the hard challenges of life, the right way where we confront issues. We do the, our homework, when we, when we talk about family troubles and we work on what's holding us back, we confront the, the, the things holding us back, maybe the substances or the addictions or the ethical decisions we're making or the values that we have and we work on it. And it is hard to do. It was hard for the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel that we've been following for the last two weeks of this series, um, where we we met them as they were slaves in the the nation of Egypt, and God brought them out of the nation of Egypt. They became a new nation. God gave them laws, but he also promised them a piece of land, which was very similar to modern day Israel, where modern day Israel is today. He promised them this new piece of land, but to get there, they had to go through a long journey through deserts and through wildernesses um, and, and uh, they covered, uh, we covered that through, and you can hear, read through their story in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, which is the book we've been in, the book of Numbers, which actually in Hebrew translates to the wilderness, and then in our English versions, we call it uh, the wilderness, or excuse me, we call it the book of Numbers because there's a lot of numbers on it, okay? But anyways, the nation of Israel goes through All of these things, and they don't always do a perfect job of it, but hey, you know, they finally got there, (laughs) and then they get to the edge of the promised land, the edge of getting the promise that they've been promised. And they're at this place, here's a map of where they are in the world at this point. They're at this place called Shittim, and it is on um, the modern day uh, nation of Jordan's side, but at the time it was the nation of Moab, okay? And they were on the uh, east side of the Jordan River. This is Jordan River leading in the Dead Sea. And over here is Jericho, one of the oldest <coughs> cities in, in um That we've been uh, able to unearth—they actually had uh, a fourteen thousand-year-old tower there. I remember being in Jericho and seeing this um, tower as they uncovered. I mean, it was you know, feet and feet, 50, uh, 75 feet down underground because land had, had eroded it and it had covered it all up. Anyways. So, in and Jericho, which you remember from the book of Joshua, Joshua and the battle of Jericho. Anyways, we'll, we'll get there in just a second. But so they're right on the edge of this whole land, which was the promised land. But the thing is, when you think of the promised land, and I think this is what the Israelites had in their minds too, you think rich and resources, healthy, beautiful, all good. And it was all good, but there was a catch. There was no two-day prime shipping on your promised land. There was no drive up and get the groceries. There was no came fully assembled. To get this promised land was going to require them to get out that Allen wrench. And work through making the promised land a reality. It was working through a process. And here's how we know this. In the book of Numbers, near the end, chapter 33, God talks to Moses and he has some words for Moses to tell the nation of Israel. On the plains of Moab, by the Jordan, across from Jericho, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you cross the Jordan into Canaan, in other words, people are already going to be there. Heads up, you're going to go into the land, I promise you, and you're going to see other people and you're going to have to conquer the land I have promised you. Here's what he goes on to say, drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you destroy all their carved images and their cast idols, demolish all their high places, take possessions, uh, take possession of the land and settle in it for I have given you the land to possess. To which you kind of sit there and you say, time out, God. Okay, wait a second. That kind of sounds mean, doesn't it? Like I'm supposed to conquer the promised land. I mean, doesn't sound very promising, if I have to conquer it. And we're just going to go in and we're going to take over other people's homes. I mean, that's kind of mean, God. I mean, you're kind of a mean God. I mean, in fact, some of you, this version of God is why you love Christianity. And if it is, hang on, because there is a bigger picture here. See, most Canaanites practiced Human sacrifice, specifically, and often, they would practice child sacrifice. And the Bible speaks of this, as well as archaeologically, we have found evidence that this is a reality. And for God, the God of the Judeo-Christian values and theology, our God, my God, and and who could be your God too, for that God, child sacrifice and human sacrifice is a big no-no big no-no. And for God, it was his way of saying it is time for that to stop. The idols must come down. The temples must come down. So he said, go into the land and conquer it. And when you conquer it, then distribute the land by lot, according to your clans to a larger group, give a larger area, an inheritance rather. And to a smaller group, give a smaller one. Whatever falls to them by lot will be theirs. Distribute it according to your ancestral tribes. And I'm sure some of the Israelites thought, and I'm sure many of us think too, whoa, God, the promised land shouldn't take work. It's not a promised land. It's not very promising if we have to conquer it ourselves. We like it easy. We like it on demand. No contract money back guarantee. But my friends, I think this is an important lesson that we can learn a lot from because sometimes what may feel like a desert, what feels like a wilderness, what feels like a lot of work is possibly a process by which you need to go through to arrive in the promise to arrive in the place you ultimately want to be. And listen, I can't speak for everyone's challenge out there, the the challenges that you're going through in life, the deserts that you're going through in life, because listen, there's some really tough ones out there. And so I don't want to demean that. I just want to ask a question for you to consider. What if that wilderness, what if it's a process? What if you looked at the challenge Not as a barrier keeping you from what's promised, but as an opportunity to grow, to learn, to help others. And I get it. It's no fun being lonely. It's no fun living in scarcity, which is maybe where you are. It's no fun living in, uh, you know, having health challenges. Okay. Certainly not ideal. But I'm just wondering if you approach the situation that you're in with the attitude of what if it's a process? What if by learning through the process, you can learn some valuable lessons and, and, and say to yourself or say, think things to yourself that like, hey, I'm not going to do that again. I've learned my lesson. You know what? If I ever have the opportunity to, the, to go through this situation, make this decision again, or I, I have the opportunity and I know somebody else who may be going through the situation, I'm going to help them do it. I'm going to help myself maybe do that better next time. Or maybe I'm just going to take a break. I'm going to step back and I'm going to reset. This is an opportunity to reset my life, reset the trajectory of my life. I'm going to seek out wise advice, wise counsel. I'm going to seek out accountability because I am not being successful on my own. I am going to adjust my behavior. I'm going to help others in a similar situation. In other words, I'm going to work through this, not because it's hard. I'm going to work through this. Yes, it's hard, but it is a process in which I can go through. The nation of Israel had a really hard time with answering this question. What if it's a process? Because if you read through the book of Joshua, which is the next book, okay, and especially in the book of Judges, which we uh, did a series on uh, last year, which you should definitely check it out. It's called Right in the Eye, still so applicable to um, our current state of affairs in our world and in our nation. Anyways, the nation of Israel, even for the coming seasons, when they were essentially trying to take the promised land, they lost focus. They kept getting distracted from the process that would have brought them the promise say that again, they kept getting distracted from the process that would have brought them the promise. Not until King David, literally hundreds of years later, would the nation of Israel really achieve the promised land. And listen, I struggle too. I'm I'm tempted to fall victim to the thing, things like a comparison trap to look at what others have and say, well, why can't I have what they have? I like what they have. I like the promise of what they have. Why can't I have that, God? Why is my process seem to be a whole lot longer than their process? Because I want the shortcut to the promised land. I don't want the scenic walk through the wilderness. And when you take that posture, when your heart takes that kind of posture, it can quickly lead to an attitude of bitterness, of resentment, of anger. Because you feel like you're owed something and you're not getting it. And God's saying, you can get that, but there's some things that you have to go through first. And when you get to that promise, you will be so glad and so much more prepared for what's in store because of the process before you. Perhaps what you're going through is a process. Perhaps the desert of your life is a process. One quote that really helped me, and I think it can help you to try to wrestle through and work through the tension between a promise and a process, um, is, and Iowa fans, try not to laugh on this, okay? But I, as a loyal and true Iowa State fan, and Iowa State attender, by the way, Um, I listened to the Iowa State um, football coach, Matt Campbell, head football coach is Matt Campbell, um, his post-game interviews, um, because he likes uh, to learn about and incorporate into his program uh, a lot of leadership principles. And I'm a bit of a student of leadership. I love to learn things about leadership. And so I think it's kind of interesting because he's experienced a lot of success over his time at Iowa State and uh, just kind of gleaning some information about, you know, kind of his thought process of how he's getting there. And and I just wanted to share with you one of the quotes that really stuck out to me that really just kind of sunk in as something that I know I need to stay focused on. Here's what he said. He said, love the process. And one day the process will love you back. In other words, I'm going to be grateful for the process at hand. I'm going to ask, what can I learn from this moment, this season of life? Because one day it could really pay dividends. Because perhaps we're too obsessed with the promise we feel we deserve, that we feel like we're owed like happiness and health and freedom and good things, like not unreasonable things, but we're so focused on the promise, so focused, laser focused on the promise, the thing we think we deserve, that then every day we're reminded of how far we are from the thing we feel like we deserved. Does that make sense? You're, you're so focused on the promise And the promise is so far out in front of you yet that every day, instead of realizing, I got to put one step in front of the other, this is just a process. Instead, I'm going to be just focused on the process at hand, getting to the promise eventually. But you know, right now it's just one step in front of the other that you're so focused on the promise. You just get, um, you beat yourself up because you're still so far away from it. And instead, what if you love the process? Because you know, if you love the process that one day, the process is probably going to pay you back. Or in a divine sense, here's what Israel should have done. Here's what I translated this concept into as far as my faith goes. And here's what I think and I would invite you and all of us to try and do. And that is to love the promise maker and his process will love you back. Love the promise maker, love God love him, focus on him. And as you follow him, his process will love you back. Tomorrow, to the date, marks six years as a church. And certainly, in many ways, (laughs) through many years, um, including this one, things have not necessarily been ideal. They certainly have been have not been easy. In fact, I've said this to people in a little bit of a a, a note of bitterness. I've said, there has been no point, I'll say this to people, there's not been a point where I really have felt like um, I could walk over to the that's easy button, you know, in the commercials that that's easy and hit that button when it comes to infused Church. It's been challenging. But listen, if we were in it, for the promise. The promise of, you know, maybe a a big church, well-funded, nice, shiny new building, hundreds of attendants, okay? If we were in this, if Stephanie and I were in this, and I think many of you, if if we were all collectively in this for the promise, we might have walked away. But that's not our motivation. Our motivation is this right here, to love the promise maker, And trust that his promise will love us back. Not a guarantee. May or may not. I don't know. But our motivation is this right here. Love the promise maker. And I want to invite you to make this yours as well. Why? Well, because one day there will, my friends, be a nice, shiny new building. There will be lots of funding. There will be hundreds in attendance. Attendance but we're not going to stop. We're not going to sit back and be comfortable like the Israelites did as soon as they got in the promised land. Like, hey, you know, we got 50% of the promised land. And so let's just stick back, sit back and enjoy what we have, okay? That's not what we're going to do. Because we're going to keep loving the promise maker. And we're going to keep realizing that life is a process. And we're going to keep pursuing that process. And one day over time, we will receive promise after promise after promise. And my friends, this concept of loving the promise maker and his promise will love you back works. And to remind you of that, I want you to hear from the first two people that ever committed to being a part of infused church. Over six years ago, in fact, I think it was October of 2014, so like six and a half years ago, okay, uh, Aaron and Joanna, who have since moved and now live in, in Washington State, um, they, they, well, we met, okay, and I'm not going to tell you too much of, of how we met, but because uh, they, they'll sh- share that, but uh, I want you to hear them tell a small sliver of their experience, with Infused Church, and they're processing as they got to be a part of it, the good times and the challenging times, and from all of their experience over three years as they were while they were with us, from that, hearing their advice to us today, check out my interview with them.
0: Hello, uh, I am. Erin, this is my wife, Joanna. We are uh, here in Spokane, Washington, and we attended Infuse way back at its very beginning.
2: Um, It kind of was a happenstance uh, meeting with Infuse. We were attending the Greater Iowa City Church of the Nazarene, and the pastor there had mentioned that there was gonna be a new church plant starting in the Coralville-Tiffin area. And he's like, oh, keep your ears open for some information about that. And we kind of put it on the back burner. I think it was probably like several months later, we were happening to go to Dunkin' Donuts. Um, it was the first time that we had <laughs> tried that Dunkin' Donuts on the Groville Strip, uh, <laughs> pretty close to our apartment. And we walked into the main sitting area and we saw someone we recognized from the Greater Iowa City Church of the Nazarene. And he was with, Uh, a younger guy, kind of our age.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And so we had gone over and we said, oh, you know, hi, Larry, how are you? And he's like, oh, I'm good. Have you met Taylor over here? And uh, we were like, no, but the name sounds familiar, like we should know him (laughs) from somewhere. And that's when we realized that Taylor was the one that was coming to start this new church plant. And so we actually were able to dialogue with them and we were able to get on board right at that point. The first couple Sundays were definitely an adventure. So we showed up the first week and it was what, maybe nine, 10 people their total. Six of those served in the band. I was behind the the computer. Uh, there was Taylor and there was Stephanie. And I think that was it. So the band, they were playing for the three of us out in the audience. And Taylor was literally teaching to the choir, <laughs> uh, preaching to the choir. So it was the first couple weeks, we were very, very small. Uh, it was a very cozy space, but it was. We definitely had the thought, how how do we go from here? There were definitely times where Joe and I looked at each other and we were like, "What did we sign up for <laughs> with this?" We we said yes, we'll be a part of this, but we didn't know that it was going to require this. Sure. Especially on those Sundays where we knew people were out of town, and it was just Taylor, Stephanie, and the two of us for all the setup, all of the teardown. down, uh, and th- those weeks, we we knew it was important that we were there. But it was definitely, certainly a challenge. One bright side of all the different challenges that we had all throughout our time there was we were able to learn and we were able to grow with all of those challenges and so seldom did we continue to have the exact same problem from uh you know period to period where you know once we were able to figure out the way that to improve it we were able to continue to grow each week
2: i was definitely challenged in the fact that i always have felt more comfortable kind of on the sidelines or more in a helping type of role. And being a part of Infuse definitely challenged me into more of a leadership type role. Like I'm the type of person who probably just would have been sitting at home and doing my own thing. And I I might not have learned those lessons at that point in my life. And it would have been a lot harder where I am right now. I'd be, I mean, I'm still learning and growing in those areas, but I would be a lot further behind. Um, if I hadn't been given those opportunities. I think what I'd say to anyone who is either just getting involved with Infuse or thinking about getting involved, is that there's a place for you. I would say, like, step out of your comfort zone, say yes, and see
0: where it leads. Even us, when we said, uh, you know, put us down on on your list, Taylor, which at that point I don't think was very long at all. Uh, and just seeing, from that first day with a happen chance meeting in Dunkin' Donuts, just moving forward and seeing just everything that we were able to experience from that was just that initial step of saying, yes, let's do this.
1: Say yes. Not to the promise. Do you notice that? Because they didn't know what infused would look like to an a large extent, neither did we. But they committed to the process and trusted the promise maker. My friends, and you know this, teams that win consistently don't focus on the championship game. They don't focus on the Super Bowl game. They focus on winning every rep in the weight room. They focus on throwing every pass in practice well. They focus on gaining every yard even when it doesn't seem like it makes that big of a difference. That's how they win. When it comes to faith, that's how we can win too is we win every step of the game. Every page of the Bible, every word spoken in relationship, every prayer, we take seriously and intentionally because it is part of the process. And the process gets them to the championship game. The process gets them to the championship game. Personally, for example, in, in my faith and in, in Christianity, for me, the promise of heaven, the promise of a redeemed earth, to me, that's just the cherry on top. Because I'm trusting God's promise now. I don't live just for the promise at the end. When you're proud of the process now, you'll see slices of heaven as you go along. And you'll know you're in the right process because you'll see the slices of heaven as you go along. So I want to invite you. I want to make sure you know that you are invited, that you are invited into the process of God. God what God is doing through you or in you right now, what God could be doing in and through you right now, because it's a process. You know, maybe your next step is engaging seriously in your doubts. Maybe it's going public with your faith through baptism. Maybe it's getting in a group this fall. Maybe it's showing back up on April 4th in two weeks to celebrate Easter with us and and outdoor services again. Maybe it's serving on a team you're going to fill out that connection card when the host puts it in there and, and, you know, or, or you're, you share your doubts and we would be happy to help with that. I, I don't know what it is to you, for you, but you are invited. You're invited into that. And I want to make sure, you know, you're invited into the bigger picture. What God is doing through infused church, essentially what God is doing through all of us together, because listen, the process can be a bit intimidating. There can certainly be hardships along the way. It certainly sometimes feels like going through church, especially set up and tear down church. It feels a little bit like Ikea furniture, okay? But my friends, eventually we move beyond the Allen wrenches. Eventually we get to the promised land. Eventually we come through the process. But let's do the process right. I want you to think about this for a second. Aaron and Joanna and and I'm sure maybe they either haven't thought about it or they're just too humble to say something like this, but they said yes to infuse church when there was no location. We didn't have a location because the whole reason I was at Dunkin' Donuts that day was to meet Larry, who was going to take me over in about a half hour across the street to the coffee shop, where then we were going to talk to the owner about having church services in their coffee shop, which eventually we did. So we didn't have a space yet. We had no money. My friends, we didn't even have a name yet. There was no name for this church at this point. But they still said yes. And I, I mean this kindly, as, as kind as I can say it. But my question is, what's your excuse then for not being a part of the process? What's, what's your excuse for not being a part of the process. And I know it would be kinder to probably say, what's your reason for not being a part of the process? But I use that word intentionally because even at that stage of the game, even in Dunkin' Donuts with no name and, you know, no place to meet, all that kind of stuff, you're still better off than probably 90% of the churches in the world. Many churches of whom I was just meeting and doing a training online with a group of church planters and 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 people who who want to start churches and half of them were from Africa and, and half of them uh, a part of them didn 't even have power for the last twelve hours and so they got disconnected halfway through the training because their computers all died because they you know they had their computers charred up, but you know it was a blackout for twelve hours that 's what they were going through. Uh, government suppression was some of the questions and I, and I just honestly I felt so inadequate sitting there talking about starting a church because I'm like, well, I'm, you know, we started meeting in a coffee shop and I'm like, I don't even know if some of them have coffee shops where they live. I mean, what is the reason why you hold back from that invitation of being a part of the process towards the promise? Let's step forward. Let's win every step. Let's make year six of infused church count. Let's put faith, trust, and love in the promise maker and trust his process individually and together as a church. If you would pray with me, heavenly father, Lord, I thank you for the story of the Israelites because we have an opportunity to learn from their experiences, from their story. Thank you for preserving these stories for thousands of years so we can read it now and learn from it now, learn about who you are and who we can be in relationship to you. Lord, help us to individually recognize that sometimes taking the shortcuts, trying to make it easier, trying to just get by is not the right way. And yes, the alternative of the shortcut may be a harder road, but maybe sometimes that's what we need. Maybe sometimes that road is the road we need to walk to, the get, to get to the place where we ultimately want to be, that God has in store for us, that God can see and we struggle to, but it is his promise. Help us as a church this year and for the years to come to recognize that we are simply a part of a process, a process that you have started thousands of years ago and you have invited us into. Let us celebrate that. Let us celebrate the good work that your church can do in our community and in the world around us and the people around us and in our own lives. Help us just trust you and love you first and foremost and work through the process that you have before us. Lord, give us the strength, the wisdom, and the people in our lives to be able to live that out. In your name I pray, amen.